0: Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm AJ. And we have a podcast called The Director's Wall. Examining a filmmaker's career, film by film. First up was M. Night Shyamalan, then Francis Ford Coppola. Who's next? Is there anything to this whole auteur theory? Find out on The Director's Wall. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your preferred listening platform. I'm Larry Bishop, and you're listening to The World is Wrong Podcast. We're here to tell you how the world is wrong. The world is wrong about Nicole Kidman. (laughs) welcome to a bonus episode of the world is wrong podcast an extremely positive podcast where we celebrate films and film artists the world is wrong about i'm your host andras jones and
1: and i'm brian Connolly, the other host
0: we are the host of the show and like i said this is a bonus episode launching into a month of Kid Mania. Not <laughs> we're not crazy for kids. That would be a little weird. Considering that most of our shows get an explicit rating. No, we are crazy for Nicole Kidman. In one of our first episodes, we covered The Paperboy thanks to your recommendation, Brian. And at that time, I think we both sort of sort of sat back and were like, "Wait a second. <laughs> Why have, why, I mean, everyone knows Nicole Kidman's great, but how come, how come we've, we, maybe both of us were just like, how come we've never really thought of Nicole Kidman as quite the heavyweight as an actor that she is? Is that, is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of, we mentioned this during the Paperboy episode that like, people like you know Nicolas Cage get all this love from everybody and all this big you know excitement from you know fans and people are always excited about what crazy thing he's going to do next but Nicole Kidman is not getting that and she should cuz she's you know equally interesting and wild in all her performances
0: yeah yeah so in uh so we sort of had that percolating and then we decided that in the month of March we wanted to celebrate a woman in film and which seemed like the right time to focus our attention on Nicole Kidman and so over the rest of the of this month we're going to be looking at four of her films from the I guess what I consider to be most of them from the the really exciting part of her career which is like the early 2000s early mid 2000s and we're going to be looking at next week, or actually starting tomorrow, we're going to be releasing an episode about Bewitched from Nora Ephron. And then the following week, we're doing Fur, an imaginary portrait of Deanne Arbus from Steven Shaneberg. And then we're doing Birth from Jonathan Glazer. And we're wrapping up the month with Destroyer from Karen Kusama. So... Now we're here to just sort of give you a an intro, sort of a general overview of Nicole Kidman, maybe looking at areas that we've come to appreciate in our research for this month, and maybe some films that we left out that are worth checking out. So let's start with this. Just I've talked a lot now, Brian. Brian, tell us a little <laughs> bit about your your experience with uh nicole kidman as a film artist
1: well it's like i sort of i'm definitely guilty of sort of dismissing her at first like in the 90s when she was tom cruise's wife and she was in like you know days of thunder and uh you know like far and away with cruise and that uh, batman forever like that's kind of what i knew her from and i was like okay yeah you're a Pretty lady, you're famous actress. You're just one of those famous actresses. I don't need to think much about you. And then Eyes Wide Shut came out, and it was very exciting. But even with that movie, I was definitely more excited about, like, oh, this is Tom Cruise doing something really interesting with Stanley Kubrick. She's certainly very, very good in it. But again, I was just sort of didn't really think, I wasn't literally like, oh, man, this is the lady. And honestly, the thing that, there's two movies that kind of, like, really kind of changed my mind about it and i saw them probably around the same time uh the first one was to die for where i was like oh this is really good she's really really good in this movie and that's such an interesting movie and then the other one strange enough was the stepford wives remake that she's in at the beginning of that movie she has a moment that is so exciting the, and I, actually, the reason why I saw it is because Zach Carlson, who's co-hosting two of these episodes with you this month, called me after watching it first. And he was like, you need to watch the Stepford Wives. And I'm like, really, do I? And he's like, yes, you do. The Cole Kidman does this thing in the first five minutes. that's incredible. Like, you have to see this performance. And I'm like, OK. And then I was blown away. And then I was kind of hooked after that and was like, OK, she's amazing. And I'm going to see everything that she does because I'm so excited about like the different things she's going to be
0: doing you know yeah and and then after that did you have you felt like like you've followed her in a different way definitely it's definitely
1: more like when you hear that she's doing something it's like oh what what is that gonna be that's exciting it's not just oh there's some big movie going on and i don't need to think about it (laughs) like it's it's uh it's, it's exciting to see and it's like interesting as she gets older to see like what different things she's going to do like what because she's constantly challenging herself and constantly you know taking risks and i think she'll be one of those people that's always going to do that and it's always great when you find an actor or an actress that uh that does that, that you, i don't think there's going to be any phone-ins
0: from her ever <laughs> don't yeah think she's capable of it <laughs> yeah she is such a stealth actor like she's a out front star but she's a super stealth actor and i think that if you start to anyone who starts to really explore her work beyond just the sort of the movie star facade is going to come up against some facts that that make that clear Mm -hmm. um i think two things that really just sort of opened it up for me were one I, i think we we know this but it's something you don't think about. 90% of the time you see Nicole Kidman acting, she's doing an accent. I mean, yeah, she's doing an accent that is familiar to you, so you think she's not doing an accent. And when she sounds like she really sounds, you think, "Oh, she's doing an Australian accent." But <laughs> mostly she is <laughs> she is she's almost always doing an accent, which when other actors are doing accents all the time, they get Credit for like oh well, that's acting. <laughs> I I never even thought
1: of it that way. That is so interesting. it's like yeah, she's not from America, and most of the time she plays American, so that's like her doing. Like you try walking around all day doing like a British accent, like your throat's gonna hurt a bit. Like that's, that's yeah easy to do to, to the point where British
0: <laughs> actors think that when you're doing an American, when actual people from Britain actually hear your voice, they think oh you're doing an accent when you speak in your American accent that like, I don't know anyone who's really done that. Anyway, so that's pretty impressive. And then the other one is she's almost always wearing a wig. Like whether aren't like when she's wearing a, when she's a beautiful blonde wig and bewitched, I mean blue, beautiful blonde hair and bewitched. I, I think that's a wig. I've, I've been doing some research. A lot of times that you think it's her normal hair. She's wearing a wig. So again, so almost every performance has Some level of body transformation through the theatrical, through theatrical makeup and hair and a voice shift before anything is before what you think of as the acting has even started. She's already made these two big changes to her, her her, who she is. And these go by mostly invisible. I don't think I've never thought of either of these things when I'm watching her films. When I was watching To Die For, I didn't think, oh, here's this Australian accent, uh, Australian actress doing this American accent and pulling it off. I just thought, here's a great performance. But yeah, under that behind that performance is a different voice. And maybe I don't know if she was doing the wig work then. But uh, I think that's a that's a fun way to watch Nicole Kidman's work is to try and figure out, is it a wig or is it her hair? (laughs) um from my from my understanding a lot of times it's a wig and man if i was working on a film with her i would make sure i wore a wig because i'd be like (laughs) she must have the best wig people in the world i want to learn wig work i want her to do an ex uh, like a workshop in wig work with nicole kidman (laughs) um it actually makes me want to go through her films and think of other, like, look at other actors who might be wearing wigs in her films cause for that exact reason. They're like, eh, you get to work with. Well, kidneys. I want one, too. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a pompadour. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's one thing that's really uh interesting and exciting about her and this you know we we did the horse's mouth recently as an episode with alec guinness and as i've been looking at nicole kidman i feel like alec guinness is a really strong analog for her because so you have those two elements where she is transforming her body in a character act in, in a character actor way but that also is kind of invisible in the same way that when we first met Alec Guinness as an actor in his early roles, he was always behind a lot of makeup and transforming mm-hmm. himself. It took us a long time to see who the quote real Alec Guinness was. And even mm-hmm. then we had, then, and then you have to question, you know, is he, is it the real Alec Guinness or is it just a more subtle characterization? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that like Alec Guinness, she was already a, like a full fledged star in Australia, before she came to America. So there's just something about actors like that who have, you know, they've made some of their mistakes. They've got their team together. By the time they hit the U.S. market, they are, you know, not only is she a really well-trained actress, but she's got a really strong machine around her, Mm -hmm. which I think accounts for... Her later career success like she just at a certain point, she just has never had a false step. Like we talk about Nicole. I mean, uh, Nicholas Cage and you kind of get the sense that Nicholas Cage is doing small, interesting films because he made some big mistakes. Whereas you get the sense that Nicole Kidman is doing small, interesting films because she didn't make any mistakes. She hasn't made mistakes. She could easily she... hop into a big movie yeah. and then hop back to a little one because that's what she wants to do. Not because yeah. it's what she has to do, you know? Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, she, she definitely arrived fully formed. Like she, like we, like I, I watched rumble fish yesterday for the first time and like that's Nicolas Cage's first real role, like not counting fast times, where he doesn't really talk in it. And he's already fully formed. In that movie, like this is Nicolas Cage and he is already thinking about the way like he's doing what he, we love him now for, back then. And Nicole Kidman's the same way, like watching all it's like in the eighties, like there's a lot of stuff nobody saw here, because it's a lot of TV, Australian TV. Maybe you saw BMX bandits. But she's already really, like, she's the best part of that movie. (laughs) That's not a great movie, (laughs) but she's really good in it. Um, And then this morning I watched Dead Calm per your request. You said, Brian, you have to watch Dead Calm. She's already amazing in that movie. And that's, like, within less than the first 10 years of her career. And you're right. She's amazing. That movie's amazing. And she is amazing in that movie. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that brings us to her collaboration with uh, George Kennedy and Byron Miller, um, who, no, George Miller, oh. Byron Kennedy. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, did I, do that? I... I wish it was George Kennedy. I... <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking about the, I've been not wanting to make that mistake so much that I just did it. George Miller and Byron Kennedy, the, you know, and they're, they're the, the team behind Mad Max and obviously, uh, you know, babe pig in the city. Well, by then, uh, Byron Kennedy had died. But uh, the two of them were sort of the, you know, they were the big producers, the big Australian producers in the 80s. And they recognized Nicole Kidman's work and collaborated on three things. One, a Vietnam miniseries that I haven't been able to find, but that Nicole Kidman played a, uh, a major role in, in 1987. And just to... In like So in 1987, she would have been 19 years old. Uh, yeah. I think 19 or 20. Yeah, she was born in 67. She's one year older than me. And one of the things that I've been noticing when I've been watching this, like even early in her career. So her three films with uh, Kennedy and Miller were the Vietnam miniseries, then Dead Calm in 1989, and then a film called Flirting. In 1991, which was a really big deal in Australia, it won the their version of the Academy Award. Uh, It's a fantastic coming of age film with just a powerhouse of young uh, young versions of actresses who have gone on to be, you know, just world you know, changing and how great they are. One is Sandy Newton. The other is uh, Naomi Watts. And you have Nicole Kidman two years after she played a very adult role in Dead Calm, coming back to play a very convincing high school teenager two years later in 1991. So already you're seeing this character actor, even as a teenager, she's already this stealth character actor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's kind of the transformation you don't really get credit for, but you still have to work to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, just let's gas on dead calm for just a little bit. <laughs> Cause you just watched it. Uh,
1: and, we're, and we're definitely going to have to say some spoilers for this movie because so if you haven't seen it, pause it and watch it. Yeah. Cause like we got to talk about the amazing Death scenes and impalements, <laughs> so many things shooting at <laughs> Billy Zane. You know, sometimes they stick to him, sometimes they don't. Yeah. But what a great, what a great movie. Like it's like it's so great to see like a thriller where it's just three people on a on two different boats. Like they're not even all on the same boat most of the time. And you have Sam poor Sam Neil dealing with stress by himself on the sinking ship and then you have Billy Zane being you know like just menacing uh, Nicole Kidman on their boat and their dog Ben and she's already in this movie like she's doing that thing that I love where she's like it's what she's not saying which is so much more interesting it's like a lot of like her thinking and her like just like the way she does emotions she's not overdoing it and it's like it's such such a good like you make this character so deep and so rich within 90 minutes You know, of a thriller without knowing too much about this person, we find out some tragedy in her past, but then that's kind of it. And then, like the way she figures it out, figures things out, and works around dealing with Billy Zane's creepy character is so good, and she's so good in it. And like she's in my, she is the star of that movie. Like she is the person that you're really absolutely following. You know, it's not Sam Neill; it's her.
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, it's a. It is. That was the film that really put her on the map and I feel embarrassed cuz I remember reading about it when it came out and they raved about Nicole Kidman and I was just sort of like, eh. <laughs> you know, it took me a long time to really to to accept her. In between Dead Calm and Flirting is Days of Thunder, which we can talk about in a, in a bit, but I just wanted to say a couple things about Dead Calm. First of all, in my research I found out that uh, George Miller was the second unit director on Deadcom, which okay. explains why you have such... Like, this is a movie that starts with a baby flying out of a window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then ends with uh, Billy Zane... Uh, spoiler alert. Okay, it ends with Billy Zane getting shot through... Uh, Through a a sale, so like it—it's a movie that ends, begins, and ends with projectiles going through screens. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing that George Miller was the director on the second unit, I just love that. Like he brought this—he brings a bravura to the second unit stuff. Yeah. That makes it that adds this other level of pulpy fun. I mean, the film isn't really fun. I mean, it's fun if you like thrillers i mean it's this poor woman gets and like they get put billy zane is very is not very nice to these to this couple and they've (laughs) already been through a rough time before they even start on this and you want to like them yeah even though sam neill is he has got a very very young wife she's you know she's got to be 19 or 20 when she's making this movie and but she's she just goes toe to toe with these two you know with at least one for Australia a serious heavyweight like going up with Sam Neill and I I don't say against but being paired with Sam Neill at that time was kind of a big deal in world cinema but a huge deal in Australian cinema Mm -hmm. Um, and you can see why that launched her to one year later she's in Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise and they're a couple and she goes back to do flirting but uh um, and you haven't seen Flirting, right?
1: Uh, I have, but it's been so long oh. that I could not like tell you details of it. But I remember liking it.
0: Yeah, it's a really beautiful little film. It's the kind of film that you hear about and think you should watch and then think, oh, that's going to be boring. But then when you actually watch it, you're like, oh my God, I don't know why. Again, dead calm and flirting. If you're interested in, in getting to see... The birth of a great actor. I think dead calm and flirting are a way better way to start your exploration of Nicole Kidman than Days of Thunder and Far and Away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, and they don't know what to do with her. You know, they're, they were kind of using her in the way that I stupidly assumed that she was in every movie of like, okay, you can be, you know, this lady that's supporting like the guys who are the, you know, Tom Cruise and, you know, Michael Rooker and, the you know, the real stars of this movie. But you're pretty, you know. You can be in this. <laughs> like, we like you in this Hollywood, sort of like you're a pretty actress of the moment thing.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah, she's so much the heavyweight in both those films, and they don't even know it. That's it. That's like, she yeah. doesn't even get it. Like, she's good in all the stuff she's in. But, yeah, some films know how to use it, and some don't. And yeah. so this begins what I consider to be chapter two of the Nicole Kidman career, like story as an, as an actor. So you have the Australian period, uh, which we just discussed. And then there's the Tom Cruise years, which runs pretty much from days of thunder in 1990 to eyes wide shut in 1999. And in the midst of that, there's definitely some interesting work and there's some less interesting work. Um, (laughs) What are your what's your take on part two? The the it's interesting because you get because you get these sort of
1: blockbusters where she's just sort of there to support the guy who's the star, you know. So you have your Tom Cruise stuff, then you have like Batman Forever, where like Val Kilmer's Batman and she again is sort of like I'm the sexy reporter wondering about Batman, and like that movie also has you know Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey and they're doing the Riddler and Two Face. But you're like, man, Nicole Kidman, like, she could have played the Catwoman and done some villain. Like, she is as interesting as a character actor as those two guys, if not more than. And (laughs) they just have her being like, oh, Batman, like, tell me about your, you know, this doesn't do much in it. But then you have the year after that, Portrait of a Lady, the Jane Campion movie, where she is used well. But then after that, you have the Peacemaker, where, again, she's just kind of there to kind of help George Clooney in one of his bigger, you know, uh leading movies you know so it's like you get this weird back and forth you know (laughs) yeah they don't they still like they still don't know like the ones that know like a jane campion or a gus van sant with to die for know how to use her and she's amazing in to die for i think that's one of her best roles and that was to me the first like oh man she's really really good like that is a great character that is a great movie like, that, like, that movie's awesome. So, like, the people that know... And, of course, these are kind of weird outsider... Like, Gus Van Sant, this is before Goodwill Hunting, before he was big. He was still kind of an indie guy. Jane Campion never has been a huge filmmaker. So, like, these kind of... Other people know how to use her, but then Hollywood just has no clue what to do with her.
0: Yeah. I went back and watched To Die For, for this. It's been a long time since I watched it, and... I really got so much more out of it this time. When it first came out, it was promoted as a black comedy. And mm-hmm. I suppose it is, you know, but it's so much, to me, it's a it's a really haunting film. It really, yeah. it stuck with me. In some ways that I mean, I'm st- like, I'm going to be sort of processing that film psychologically for a little while afterwards, because, yeah, yeah, it is a it's dark. I don't think that it's funny. Uh, like, <laughs> It's a little bit arch. It's a little bit the jokes in it. Actually, the jokes in it, I find to be darker than the dark like they're the darkest part of it you know
1: isn't it buck henry didn't he write that yeah buck
0: henry wrote the script yeah which was that was another thing when i read it i was like holy crap wow i did not i didn't there's so much i didn't put together about that and again i think it's i do think that i carried a lot of the prejudices that were critiquing about nicole kidman into even the good stuff, even to die for. Like I have, I avoided Dead Calm, wasn't interested. Flirting looked like a film about some girls in high school that I wasn't that interested in. <laughs> you know, all the Tom Cruise stuff. And she was in all the celebrity. Like I think when someone is that much of a celebrity, it's kind of it makes you less interest. It makes some people, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Were those people less interested in what they're doing? especially if it's sort of buried, you know, if the flirtings and dead and to die for's and portrait of a ladies are buried in Batman forever's and far and Aways And I didn't see, I didn't see Billy Bathgate. Did you see Billy Bathgate?
1: No, I've never seen that yeah. movie.
0: I, I hear she was, you know, supposedly she was good in it. Yeah. I feel like this is the least interesting. It's weird. It's like, it's the part that made her a, an international star And I consider to be the least interesting part of her career. But even in that, she didn't really make any mistakes. You know, she made some she she seems like someone who was willing to, you know, if someone was willing to offer her a big role and pay her some nice money to stand next to George Clooney and wear a wig and do an accent and do all this (laughs) acting, but all to just look like what we thought she is what we think she is already when we're when we're wrong what we're the world that's wrong um but i think you're right with eyes wide shut in 1999 that's the beginning of the end of the cruise kidman marriage and the beginning of nicole kidman basically owning the 21st century as probably (laughs) the 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 great I I don't know who, who else could lay claim to being the great film actress or yeah. of the twenty-first century so far. I just yeah. If there's someone else out there who can tell us. Yeah, please. <laughs> then I'll see we'll everything. We'll do a month
1: for them yeah, next we'll do, year. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because holy cow, this is where it just gets exciting. And I would say that pretty much Every year from 1999 until now, there's at least one Nicole Kidman film that is a absolute must-see if you just love film. It doesn't even have to do with, like, if you like Nicole Kidman. She is just doing really interesting work and, you know, and some big films that may or may not be as interesting. Uh, But,
1: like, and also she's doing, like, a lot of movies. Like, every year it's, like, three movies a year. And these aren't just like tiny parts. Like 2003, you have Cold Mountain, The Human Stain, and Dogville. Like she's the main lady in all three of those movies. And you do that in one year? Like that's crazy. And that, that's, that keeps happening. Like every year she's doing like more than one movie. Like she just, it's like it's almost like she got the bug of like, oh wait, I'm like really, really good. I'm just going to do as many movies as I can do. Let's just do it. And it's just like, it's, it's just one interesting uh, performance after another.
0: Yeah, that run, particularly... And again, this is where I see someone who, by this time, really had her team together. Like, whoever was reading scripts for her and, you know, working with her, like, she's just kind of perfect. Eyes Wide Shut, Moulin Rouge, The Others, The Hours, and Dogville. If you want to get out from under the you know, the shadow of Tom Cruise, of being Tom Cruise's wife, uh, that's a really great way to start. I mean, yeah. I was... Moulin Rouge is, it's like one of those films that is so much that it's kind of hard to take in a little bit. <laughs> but when I went back and watched it purely, and I, I'm not a Baz Lerman hater. I think anyone who takes big swings like that I I'm all for and I agreed. When he nails it like he did in Moulin Rouge, I think it's I think it's it's almost as like I like I of course I love Stanley Kubrick and so I guess I like Eyes Wide Shut more but watching Moulin Rouge, it's hard to say that Moulin Rouge is any less of a masterpiece of just pure filmmaking than mm-hmm. Eyes Wide Shut is and one thing it does is it know (laughs) Moulin Rouge at least knows that the star of its movie is Nicole Kidman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's such a tragic character in that movie. Like that. She's so good. That movie's so good. That movie's so good. It is such. I I was weeping by the end of that movie.
0: (laughs) Yes. And just a, just a, a real, like a true movie star performance for the ages Mm -hmm. think of your favorite actor from any era of of cinema and i'm not talking about like she has the gritty character pieces we'll get into those but just like a pure like i am a movie star and that's taken for granted and now let's play and just the film like yeah good job baz lerman for knowing to choose Nicole Kidman for that because mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. other people would have been good and there's no way that he could have known that that would be the launching pad for everything that came after, which mm-hmm. is just boy, I, you know, I just, <laughs> well, she won the the Oscar for the hours. Not one of, not one of my favorite films in this list. Uh, you know, just it's, it's obviously a, a good film or a great film, but not a fun film.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, neither is Dogville, but in a way the movie is
0: really fun. Yes, it is. Like
1: I love that movie gets me very like I get very excited watching that movie. Like I love that movie so much. Uh that that was that was I think the first of these post uh you know '99 where I was like, oh man. These are some home runs that we're getting here now. Like this is an amazing movie and an incredible performance at the center of it.
0: Yeah. And for anyone who has avoided Dogville, cause they've heard that it's really harsh. I had this experience cause I didn't really know anything about it except that I'd been, I I'd sort of had this sort of shame or embarrassment that I knew it was something that I wanted to see, but I felt a, intimidated by it and <laughs> just sort of avoided it. But for this, I knew I had to to watch it. And when it starts and you see that it's all going to be, it's going to all going to happen on a set that is like a, a theatrical, like a stage play, yeah. having heard that it's going to be really harsh, yeah. all of a sudden there, I exhaled and was like, Oh, I can handle the intellectual harshness of this (laughs) if I don't have to watch it in a real world situation where there's real (laughs) blood and real like yeah it's all emotional uh and psychological violence and I can handle that so if you've been avoiding dogville because you think oh I don't want to see Nicole Kidman treated terribly there's something about seeing actors on stage that feels like well they're all you know it's not like they're at the at the whim of this movie. They could walk off the stage. Nicole Kidman could leave the stage if she didn't want to be doing this. So she's <laughs> doing this, and this is all about how great an actor she is yeah. in this amazing oh. role. And oh my God, Dogville is yeah. A, oh, yeah.
1: So that's one of the great. I think it's one of the best movies of the last twenty years. Yeah, you know, like that. That movie's so good.
0: Yeah. It sure is. Yeah. High, high, high praise for this one. Then we have a few, you know, we're not going to go through all these. You mentioned Stepford Wives. Uh, We were (laughs) almost going to do that. We talk a little (laughs) bit about Stepford Wives in the episode that comes out tomorrow about Bewitched. Yeah. And then, oh, sorry. You want to say anything about that?
1: Yeah. It's just that there's, there's a part at the beginning of the movie that like, like you don't even need to watch the whole movie if you don't want to, but like there's a part at the beginning of the movie when she is fired and, the, and her reaction to it is so amazing. Like what she does without saying anything, just like the way that she does her eyes and the way she starts to like, you can tell that she's like processing this information and you're seeing the character process the information on screen is so good. Like that performance is so much better than maybe that whole movie is. <laughs> like, but like that, like just that one minute is worth watching. Like, just check it, check that part out. Like watch the first five minutes and whoa, baby.
0: Yeah. Uh, in doing the research for this, I listened to a podcast where some folks talked about that film and that scene. And what they focused on was her amazing shoulder acting. <laughs> like when she's walking, just <laughs> again, stealth, like, when someone does as much acting as she's doing and it and it can still be feel organic to the character and invisible and translate, whether it's in a good film or a bad film, you're just at such mm-hmm. a high level yeah. of craft. Yeah, I think, you know, going back to, you know, like back in the John Bryan episode, I was like, if you're a young musician and you want to study a musician who's going to make you better and give you an example of what it a, a truly successful musician is, study John Bryan. I would say the same thing about Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. for actors, especially as a young actor. She, again, she's she's avoided a lot of the mistakes. And obviously she has some stuff going for her. She's, she's tall and gorgeous and has those timeless genes that she's still... Into her 50s, she's going to keep she can still keep playing sort of youngish characters, and so yeah, she has that by birth. But a lot of people come into the business, into the acting business with some version of great tools, but most people don't then do all the extra work that it takes to be the great actor inside of that, and that's how you become Mm -hmm. someone like Nicole Mm -hmm. Kidman. Okay, so we talk about. Birth in our second uh, episode of this Nicole Kidman retrospective or celebration, and uh, we certainly talked enough about that. And we have—I I hope you check that one out. We have a really great interview with Steve Shaneberg, the director of Birth, so that's really nope, cool. you said
1: no nope. fur. You're mix. You're mixing your oh, things. Why up. did
0: I keep? Why do I keep? <laughs> I get my. Cause in you know what it is, because on Wikipedia they don't list it as fur an imaginary portrait of Deanne Arbus. They just list it as fur. Fur birth. They so, sound the same. And fur and birth. Okay, sorry. So so in our third episode of this Nicole Kidman retrospective, we get to the film Birth, which was really the one that I don't know, I feel like solidified. Like Eyes Wide Shut, it was Kubrick. Moulin Rouge, I hadn't really paid attention to. The others, I really did appreciate. And I didn't, and The Hours was, you know, she won an Oscar, but it wasn't my favorite film. Dogville, I'd avoided. (laughs) You know, and then Birth, I saw, and that was before anyone really knew who Jonathan Glazer was. And that was the one that made me just, I don't know. That was the one that removed the, Mm -hmm. the veil that I'd been... You know, the delusion that, oh, she's just a movie star and seeing that she is just a truly great actor. Now, you weren't able to be a part of that episode. We have Zach Carlson, your writing partner, joined us for that episode on birth. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, on I love it, that movie.
1: Film? I love Jonathan Glazer. I saw the movie with Zach for the first time. We watched it together and we were both like so excited. Um, it's funny. I don't know if you talk about this with the episodes of Zach, but it's like he is known for liking you know, like trash cinema and horror movies and sort of like his the his expertise lies in a certain type of genre and the fans of his are certainly, uh, you know, aware of that. But like, I think a lot of people maybe aren't aware that he is a huge Nicole Kidman fan. Because, and I think it was definitely because of birth. Like we watched him, we we're both like, oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's probably why he went and saw The Stepford Wives uh, the same year and then told me that he, she was really good in that too. But uh, no, I love that movie. That movie is definitely not for everybody. It's really cold and sad. Like that movie makes me like physically feel cold. That just feels like a, you know, that is there's a good movie to watch in August if your uh, your AC is broken. It'll cool you off. And uh, <laughs> she is just so. That is such a real performance. That is so good, and it's such a it's such a complicated movie, and the emotions are complicated in it. And I think she just does a great, amazing job. Like that's definitely one of her best, I think.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's that's where the career kind of gets exciting to me. She starts doing a like balancing big films with lit, like, Stepford Stepford Wives and Birth yeah. in the same year. V- v- weird <laughs> uh, then we have the interpreter and bewitch which we covered uh we're covering next week and then fur uh the imagine an imaginary portrait of Diane Arbus in 2006 and Margot at the wedding in 2007 the Noah bombbach mm-hmm. film which I that was one of those ones where now what- well, she's starting to play like she plays a very unsympathetic character in that. And that we start to see her doing more of this. Like she's getting even more confidence in her ability to go from a big film, a bad big film, like the invasion (laughs) that I watch. It's, you know, whatever it's she's good in it. It's Fine-ish for what it is, but then that same year, doing a a little uh, Noah Baumbach film, Margot at the Wedding, which, you know, just like okay, this is this is who we're, this is who Nicole Kidman is when she gets to be whoever she wants to be, you know, as an as a, a yeah. movie star. We're just gonna like go through some highlights. I just want to mention a few highlights from the next ten years here that are. You know that jump out to me, I, I guess this is where it's like we're getting that every year thing. So, two thousand four, it's birth, and then two thousand five, we have bewitched, and two thousand six, we get fur, two thousand seven, Margot at the wedding, and then, one that got a lot of love and was directed by a director I like, John Cameron Mitchell, called Rabbit Hole, got a lot of uh, awards buzz it's it's good but it's a really sad and dark film you know just like it's not a fun film and this is maybe something the way the world is wrong about Nicole Kidman when she gets a like the award buzz for her films are usually for films like The Hours or for yeah. Rabbit Hole and not for films like Birth or Fur like the ones that yeah. we're focusing on, which is I think the more interesting yeah. ones. It seems like she only gets nominated when she's suffering, when her character is suffering.
1: Isn't that just how awards work? Isn't it just like, oh, you have a you know a, a, an infliction in this movie, we'll give you the award for being the stuttering king, but even though you're better in other movies, we'll we won't, we'll ignore that. Like I feel like that's that's an Academy Award problem. They like to have like oh, you can cry a lot and be sad. Therefore, you must be the best actor. Not just that you're really interesting or, you know, like... <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's ridiculous. Because <laughs> she's amazing. Like the Paperboy. She should have won Supporting Actress for that. That is a fully formed character. That is an amazing character. Yeah. But because she's not weeping and, you know, being all solemn through that movie... Yes. ...that it doesn't... Nobody cares.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I pay, the Paperboy is so much... A better like no offense to John Cameron Mitchell. I mean, rabbit hole is a is a deeply felt film. It's clearly a labor of love, but it's not an exciting movie. The Paperboy is an exciting movie. (laughs) Stoker and from 2013 is a really exciting movie. Uh, Destroyer, which we get to. That's an exciting movie it's not an exciting movie in the award sense, but we do need to give a little shout out to trespass where we have the Nick and Nick <laughs> show. We have Nick cage and Nick Kidman with probably, you know, one of my lesser, my, one of my least favorite directors, uh, Joel Schumacher. Sorry, folks. I know, you know, not to say that he hasn't made some films that I've enjoyed, but in general, I, I don't I don't love his films that much, but Boy, this is a pulpy, melodramatic thriller, and getting to watch Kidman and uh, and Cage yeah. work together is I, I, I you got we should have covered this film. I've I, I kind of been kicking myself the whole time that we didn't cover it. I went back and watched it. It's not great. The third act is just a mess, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> The, they're yeah. they're both so great, and I I really do. I actually watching it again. I God, Nicolas Cage is great, and I know that we're here to talk about Nicole Kidman, but he's just so <laughs> nuts. He's, uh, but I guess you kind of see the difference. Like when Nicole, even when Nicole Kidman's being nuts, she is so much more grounded. Again, it's that Alec Guinness thing. She is always, basically, she's always true to the moment in the film, whereas I feel like Nicolas Cage is always true to the moment in his nervous system.
1: (laughs) Two very different actors, you know? Like, they're very, very different. Yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Did you like Trespass? I do.
1: Like, it definitely, like you said, like, story-wise, it kind of falls apart, for sure. And it has this kind of straight-to video quality or straight to streaming or whatever like it doesn't feel it doesn't quite feel like a real movie in a way like it feels kind of cheap for as good of the talent that's in it but the performances are
0: really good Um, definitely worth it yeah yeah so another one that I just stumbled across that I enjoyed and was kind of surprised I didn't even uh, I wasn't planning on watching it but The Family Fang that was directed by Jason Bateman and has Christopher Walken and uh, I forget who the other actress is, the actresses who's with him. Uh, maybe Bonnie Bedelia. I think it's Bonnie Bedelia. And it's about these two children of these avant-garde uh, artists from the 60s who it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of Kajillionaire in the sense that you have these two parents who put, in this case, its siblings through, like, make them be at the center of their wild art. Like, mm-hmm. they'll do a thing where the two kids are playing music in Central Park, and then the father will pretend to be a stranger who comes up and just starts heckling them and yelling at them and telling saying that they're terrible <laughs> until people start defending them and then it becomes a fight and they film it all and that's his art, <laughs> like this confrontational art. So it's like these two kids trying to figure out uh, how to, you know just get their lives back from being raised by these you know sort of narcissistic parents. And it's the kind of film you wouldn't I, I don't again, I don't think it's a, the kind of film you'd seek out or I would seek out, but uh, definitely worth a watch. I mentioned Stoker. Yeah, just see it. It's by um, what's his name, the guy who did Old Boy. Yeah, Park Chan Wook, and it's the it's just uh, just a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Uh, Nicole Kidman's good in it, but it's not really about Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. As a movie star, she has no problem being like playing lots of supporting roles. Yeah, she'll carry a film, but then she'll be in a film like Lion where she just plays the mother of the main character. And she's still great, doing awesome character work in it. But just being a very... uh, Just being a really supportive... A a supportive movie star. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you imagine if Tom Cruise was willing to be a supporting (laughs) actor in as many movies as she is? He'd have such a more interesting career. No offense to Tom Cruise. I think he has a very interesting career. But... I think we can see that uh, Nicole Kidman, I think she outpaced him as an actor, (laughs) if not as a movie star. So let's, I want to talk about, she had a year for the ages, like I don't know who else has had a year like this. And for Nicole Kidman, it was 2017. In 2017, she's in two sort of big films from big directors, The Beguiled from Sofia Coppola and Killing the Sacred Deer from Yorgos Lanthimos. Have you seen either of those films? I
1: have not. It's like I'm holding on to them because I know they're going to be good. It's like, you're like me where it's like, I'm not worthy of these movies yet and I got to wait for when I know yeah. that there's a week where I've run out of really good things to watch. And like these are like sitting on that shelf waiting so I can see something that I know is going to be in- interesting and exciting.
0: Yeah, I have the same thing. I was, last <laughs> night I was, gonna, I was really going to watch Killing of a Sacred Deer, but it was just getting later and later. And I just thought, I'm not going to half watch this movie. <laughs> so I watched Paddington instead. <laughs> but
1: hey, she's really good in Paddington. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she is very good in Paddington. And that's a fun little movie also really just a really well made uh, kids movie yeah. but so she so in this year she has two films that are so good that we've both not watched them because <laughs> we know how good they are. <laughs> then she has How to Talk to Girls at Parties directed by John Cameron Mitchell a really a, a, a film that I liked so much more than Rabbit hole but is the kind of film that would not get awards. it's definitely it's like a teen movie about punks and ravers and aliens and uh and Nicole Kidman plays a great sort of character supporting role but the what I think of is the two biggies from that year she's in two series she's in Top of the Lake directed by Jane Campion she's in the second season of that in playing a really unattractive unlikable character that is at the center of the Center of the, the story, mm-hmm. and just you know, she's there with, um, you know, the actress, Elizabeth come Moss. on, help me Elizabeth out. Moss, yes, so she's there with Elizabeth Moss, it's Elizabeth Moss's show, and that's another thing about Nicole Kidman, she also has no like she over and over again is working with the best actresses of her generation, whether it's working with Meryl Streep or working with Elizabeth Moss, and is totally happy to play second fiddle, or play the unattractive or evil, smaller role. Again, because she knows she can. But it, I it, maybe it's not impressive because it's her, but if you look at how many actors would be intimidated to do that, especially older actresses, allowing a younger actress to upstage them like that. It's just, it's rare. There's a lot of people who would advise against it and she doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, which I just think is maybe one of like, I think it might be one of her greatest performances in the series, Big Little Lies. She plays the the abused wife of Alexander Skarsgård and she's the mother of two kids. And it's just... It's one of those performances where everyone in it is great, and she's just acting on this whole other level, which I think is the reason that that series attained the the success that it did. Like it, it would have been successful with all of those other. I mean, Reese Witherspoon's fantastic, Shailene Woodley's fantastic, Laura Dern's fantastic. They're all three really like genu- genuinely great actors. Mm-hmm. But Nicole Kidman is just in another universe in this film, Uh, in this. I mean, I think of it as a film because it's a very cinematic series. But yeah, 2017 was one heck of a year for Nicole Kidman. I, you know, try and find another actor who gave us that many roles with that much range in any given year. And it. You know, it means she was probably working hard in 2015 and 2016 and some things got delayed and whatnot. But that's an amazing year. And then she follows that up with a Destroyer the following year, which is where we end our month of Kidmania. Was there anything you wanted to say about that exciting year of 2017 for Nicole No, Friedman? just
1: it's just like she's that's when she was 50. So she just turned 50 in 2017. And to be a 50-year-old actress and still or an actor, like anybody who acting who can be like old, that much older and still be like trying new things and hitting these home runs and just like still, cause like she's rich enough. She can, you know, she can De Niro it and <laughs> to do like, yeah, maybe a good movie for your friend. I don't think she'd but know how. You know, like, like, but she, but she clearly likes, really loves acting and is, is like, and is like excelling at her craft, like a true artist, you know, like, She's doing it because she is so good at it and is clearly very interested in kind of, you know, picking the brain of these characters and taking it apart. And, like, it's like I I don't think she's ever going to retire. Like, if you're making that, like, two TV shows and, like, four movies in one year when you're 50 and you're already, like, been rich for, you know, 30 years or whatever, like, I think this means this is what you're going to be doing forever. You know, like, this is what you love to do and you're very, very good at it.
0: Yeah, I think we can, I think we can safely say that Nicole Kidman likes being an actor. Yeah. (laughs) So, so then just to, just to, to bring it home after Destroyer, she's an Aquaman. Good for her. Make some money. (laughs) But I think the big ones are Bombshell where she plays Gretchen Carlson. Not a, Great movie, but another of her just being like, "Yeah, I can be anyone. I I can just transform myself." Uh, Then she's in the Prom, the musical that came out this year, dancing and singing with Meryl Streep, playing a character named Angie Dickinson, by the way, (laughs) and I did not realize that. And you know, coming up, she's gonna going to be appearing in The Northman, uh, which. Are you a fan of uh, Robert Eggers?
1: No, I've never, never read anything
0: by him. Mm. No, him. Uh, the no, not not the writer, the director, Robert Eggers, no, never, The Witch. Never heard of this person. And <laughs> oh well, <laughs> uh, it's I didn't I didn't see The Witch, but I did see The Lighthouse. And The Lighthouse. Oh, that guy. Was okay, yeah, film... I've never
1: seen his movies. No.
0: Yeah, uh, The Lighthouse is. The lighthouse is so exciting that the idea of him doing a film with Nicole Kidman and Bjork and Willem Dafoe and Alexander Skarsgård and Ethan Hawke—wow! Uh, it's a a miniseries based on the life of Rasputin. Okay, <laughs> come on, that's that's exciting. Okay, well that I think that well okay. Final thoughts on. Nicole Kidman in this, we were going to, we were trying to do this as a short mini for half an hour and it's coming in at an hour. <laughs> so that's how great she is or how bad we are at, uh, <laughs> at editing ourselves. But before we dive into this final first thoughts on Nicole Kidman and this month of Kidmania.
1: I'm just excited for people to listen to these episodes that we did. Uh, you might be looking at it being like, Bewitched. Why? I thought you talked about how great she is. Listen to the episode. That movie's great. Like, all these movies we Ooh covered, yeah. we are very, all very excited about and champion. And I think we picked four very different movies and four very different roles that kind of give you a good, like, if you've not caught in the kid mania yet, kind of dip your toes in with these four episodes and kind of see this kind of amazing range and then, you know, springboard from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's amazing, and I, it's so it's so funny to feel the need to defend <laughs> or champion someone who's so famous yeah. and so successful. Yeah. yeah, but I think maybe that's the reason for things like like Women's History Month. Is like I think that there are probably a lot of people like that who we. We know they're great. We kind of take them for granted. And some of us never take the time to really learn enough about them to have... For us to really get why they are where they are Mm -hmm. in... You know, whether it's in history or in the arts or just in culture. And so, yeah. Not to say that we are striking a blow against sexism, (laughs) uh, but uh, we are maybe... If this is the comeuppance, I think that maybe this is where I want to go. So, like, you could look at it and be like, oh, I have to eat my medicine. I have to learn about Nicole Kidman because it's the thing to do in Women's History Month. But then when you do, you're like, holy shit, my life is so much better. I'm so glad that that wasn't medicine. That was just pure. That was just a great fucking meal. So. Yeah, so yeah, I got Kidmania, man. What am I gonna do? <laughs> Just
1: keep keep watching it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, my goal now, now that I, I feel like I've seen about two thirds of Nicole Kidman's films, now I'm gonna going to have to be a completist yeah. so that I can really say that I've seen everything. So if you know where we can f- track down the Vietnam miniseries, I really want to find that. If you have, if you think that there are areas that we should have covered. Uh, about Nicole Kidman. Well, hold off for a second. Don't write to us until you listen to the next four weeks of episodes. Yeah. Cause maybe we'll get to yep. it. But if there's a film you feel like we should have covered, definitely write to us. Let us know. Yep. You can contact us at contact at the world is You can reach out to us on Instagram at the world is wrong podcast. And Nicole, if you're listening, Good job. <laughs> A plus. <laughs> Good job. Okay, well, I guess we should give this the normal ending. So wherever you are, Nicole Kidman, just remember the world is wrong and it's probably wrong about you. To Mose Allison and Alan Toussaint. That's Radio Eight Ball, all one word. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and download our app from the iTunes App Store. Show.